Jackson on the drive, kicks it out for Mann. Mann, three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Magic down the middle, just what I thought, a hook shot at 12, good! Here's Michael at the foul line, a shot on Elo, good! The Bulls win! They win! Now that's a steal by Murr, underneath the DJ, right there! Going up over Bell, Paul away! What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game live here on Dime Dropper in the 2022-23 season. Before we get started, make sure to subscribe on YouTube for all L.A. sports, L.A. basketball mainly, content and NBA content. Going to be talking about basically every team as the playoffs approaches. And when the playoffs comes, we'll be going live every night after every single game of playoffs. Damn near. So make sure to subscribe at that notification bell. We're almost at 4K. Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also find this on there. And then make sure also to subscribe to my YouTube, other YouTube channel, Locked on Clippers, uh, for all the latest Clipper con. Uh, the only five-day-a-week or four-day-a-week Clipper podcast. But, yeah, so tonight's agenda. I said I was going to do a Laker, like talk about their last couple of games as well. But I'm not going to lie, I with the whole Final Four today, and by the way, that was an amazing finish in the San Diego State game. The game winner at the buzzer on the pull-up midi. I thought Bro lost, uh, didn't know how much time was remaining. Unbelievable. UConn versus San Diego State in the championship on Monday. Going to be awesome. But because of that I, and the Clipper game, I didn't get to watch the Laker, the last Laker game. Last two of them, honestly. But I'll, I'll try to catch one of them. Maybe, maybe both. But I don't know if I'll have the time. But I'll at least try to catch one of them and then watch the one tomorrow. So then I'll probably give the Lakers if I can. Tomorrow or Monday, I'll talk about them. But this one's just going to be the Clippers right now and how bad they were and just what's going on. I'm going to start with the game, and then I'll just lay into them because they def- they deserve to be absolutely destroyed after this, I mean, 78 games of, what is it, 79 games now? 41 and 38? 79 games of what's been an atrocity of a season that they claimed was going to be a championship contending quest. But... Let's talk about the game tonight against the Pelicans. So, obviously, I didn't go live last night when the Clippers were down by four points at halftime. And then Kawhi Leonard and Eric Gordon both didn't play the second half when they were probably our two best players in the first half. Eric Gordon was list was they said it was hip soreness. That doesn't that sounds a little bit weird. Soreness in the middle of a game and you don't play. That sounded like an injury to me. Whenever they say soreness, to me, that just makes them, the players, sound soft. But it was an injury, a little injury. I hope it's not too serious, but EJ did not play tonight. Kawhi Leonard, though, they said he's going to play in a back-to-back. He's going to play on Saturday, but he's not going to play the remainder of this game. <laughs> That's just not basketball to me. You don't just do that. If you're going to play the back-to-back, you're going to play the back-to-back. You don't just play one half. That's not how this works. Um, they said that was the medical staff's call. Shame on the medical staff, then, if that's the case. Um, so that basically puts the Clippers in a must-win situation 
tonight against the New Orleans Pelicans because you gave the Grizzlies the game, basically. You can't just take your best player out when John Morant, Jaron Jackson, Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, all these, Tyus Jones, all these guys are playing, and you just take him out at halftime when the bench is really struggling. And the bench would also struggle on Saturday night. You can't just do that. Now Terrence Mann has to start. He's not having a very good game. It's a high-level competition. It's just not right. And I wonder how much pushback there truly was. But that brings the Clippers into a must-win Saturday night game against the Pels. And I'm not going to lie. I thought they started the game out with the right defensive intensity. And I always say that's what it's all about, coming out with the right defensive intensity. Russell Westbrook set the tone with eight points and three assists. Hadn't missed a shot. He made two threes in the first quarter. Kawhi didn't really get going much in the first half. Second half, he kind of exploded. But... Zubats was amazing in the first half, I thought. Getting so many rebounds, playing good defense. He was coming up on those, you know, in drop coverage. On Brandon Ingram, he was doing a good job of closing down the airspace and not letting him just walk into the jumpers easily. He was getting a good hand up, coming out a good amount to contest. And when Zubats came out of the game and Kawhi came out of the game, I mean, mind you, the Clippers were up 10 after one. Thought it was a great first quarter, 31-21. But the second quarter... When Kawhi and Zoo came out, the Clippers just could not score enough. It was another scoring drought, just like we saw last night against Memphis. I mean, Terrence Mann was a little bit better in this one. Hit two threes. But Bones Highland, not much there. Robert Covington made some decent plays. But, you know, Westbrook with that lineup, they staggered Kawhi and uh, Westbrook in this one because EJ was out. So he went back to a nine-man rotation. But that lineup with Russ and the, and the bench players in the beginning of the second quarter wasn't really scoring. And that's when Brandon Ingram started to get a little more comfortable. And everybody that knows me and has followed my channel for a little bit knows how fond I am of Brandon Ingram's game. I've been a fan of his since he was here in L.A. But you know I love the mid-range, man. Save the mid-range. And I talked about him last year. You go back to my playoff uh, post-game lives last season. which Last season was such a down year for Dime Dropper, guys. But I thought my content got better. Those are there for the archives, though, man. If you want to see what I was saying in the playoffs last year. But Brandon Ingram was just amazing in certain games. He was obviously incredible in the playing game against us. And you can't stop guys that can hit contested mid-ranges when they're getting off clean looks. And when you hit contested mid-ranges and make them a science, which so many players in the history of the game have done, but less players focus on that particular shot now, it's still lethal. You see that with Kawhi, you see that with Ingram, and you saw that in the second half. Despite the second quarter being totally Pelicans, 34-25. to And I, I thought they got a really solid whistle in the second quarter. First quarter, Clippers got a good whistle. But then the second quarter, very similar to last night, the home crowd was getting a little frustrated. And all of a sudden, they started getting every call. Shout out to the Super Chats, by the way. They are turned on. If you want to drop a dollar a dime, there's so many comments coming in right now, guys. I just can't look at all of them if I want to, because this is also going on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so I got to give a cohesive thing without going brain dead for, I'm already, you know, as you can see, struggling to put together sentences, so looking at the comments in that is going to be difficult, but the Super Chats, absolutely, I got to do them the favor of looking at it. He says, the fart cloud our supporting cast put out tonight was so tremendous, I could smell it in Michigan. Batum, Man, Rocco, Bumley, Highland, even if we make the playoffs, they worry me. Interesting. But let's continue. We were up by one going into the second half. So it was anyone's game. 56-55, to 55, we were winning. Russell Westbrook had a really good first half. Kawhi was 4-for-11 
at halftime, which wasn't great. Herb Jones was doing a really good job. And I do think Russ was forcing it a little bit too much uh, in this game, especially after he hit a couple of threes. He was taking contested jumpers, and we can totally do without those. Totally do without those. Even if he's hot, at least take the good ones off a catch-and-shoot, balls moving, you're wide open, or a pull-up mid-range you know, in rhythm. Not those no-pass possessions. And I criticize them a lot for those no-pass or one-pass possessions. Mainly no-pass possessions in Russ's case with the Lakers because it's one of my basketball convictions as a point guard. Nah, you don't do no-pass possessions. You got to move the ball unless you score because otherwise the players just walked up and saw you do cardio. I'm sorry, the players just did cardio to watch you miss without you distributing the ball, and your job is to get people involved. You know what I'm saying? One time, I always tell this story, but I'm going to keep telling it. One time I was in a game, this was in a rec league, in a rec league, but I was being coached by Adam Keefe from the Utah Jazz, played with Malone and Stockton and coached under, you know, Jerry, Jer, played under Jerry Sloan, the Jerry Sloan. And I came up the court, Divas was in a zone, they were sleeping. I came up and tried to pull that shit. Because I'm like, I'm a good shooter. I'm going to pull up. Missed. He got so mad at me. He said, if John Stockton pulled up like that without moving the ball once, Jerry would have destroyed him. No, these are your teammates. You got to move the ball. Then you. So ever since that, I've had a conviction as well because I understand where he was coming from. Because your job, I'm always in favor of moving the ball. So in Russ's case, I didn't like that. But he was still playing fantastic in the first half, in my opinion. Zubats was great too. Third quarter, Jonas Valanciunas turned into Jack Sigma. If you guys know Jack Sigma, don't know who he is, look him up. But shoot, hitting threes, dominating in the post, dominating on the roll. And listen, man, everybody's going to, you know, the casuals all blame Zubats for everything. Zubats has to come up and take away that pull-up mid-range for Brandon Ingram off the screen. So you got to help the helper, and the Clippers are doing a shitty job of that the entire second half. And I got to give Brandon Ingram credit, man. His playmaking, his just his mastery of the mid-range. I love watching him play. It was a damn shame he was out so long this season. The Pelicans are the legitimately the only team in the West besides the Clippers that I actually don't... Di- well, besides the Clippers, I should say, I don't like any other team in the, in the West. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I actually dislike every other team in the West, quite frankly. But the one team I don't dislike is the Pelicans. Um, because I just like Brandon Ingram. Zion has grown on me. And I always thought CJ McCollum is one of the best players to never make an all-star team. And, you know, I'm always in favor of teams, like, that don't have the, the history. You know, I, I consider the New Orleans Pelicans a worse franchise all time than us. But that's because they're newer. But they, they haven't made it to the conference finals, so I'm going to do what everybody did to me all these years. Sorry, buddy. You make the conference finals. But I really enjoy watching them play, and a lot of it is because of Brandon Ingram. And he was making shots in that second half. You could not do anything about. That's my thing. Like, part of it's just the Pelicans are playing really good basketball lately. After this win, they've won seven out of their last eight games. This is a tough game to play, especially on a back-to-back. Kawhi got going in the second half. Like, he was hooping. But nobody else really got going in that second half. And Russ was one for five in the fourth quarter. Mason Plumlee. I mean, dude, that guy... He has decent moments here and there, but he cannot guard. I've been saying it for a while. I did not think he was this bad defensively. He has no, he gets up off the ground nicely. Like he has bounce, but he has no sense of timing on these blocks. It's really weird. He's caught flat-footed all the time. It's very strange. I have to go back and watch the tape in 2016 when we played him in the playoffs cuz I remember him being good. 
I got to go back and watch if he was always this bad defensively. But now I can see why Charlotte, with Richards getting more minutes and not having Mason Plumlee, is playing better basketball. I'm serious. I still think Mason Plumlee is serviceable for his role as a backup center in the playoffs. But he might not be able to get more than 15 minutes in any game. That's what it's looking like right now. Zubats is significantly better than him, like in every sense. Um, but I will say this, you know, I can't just blame it all on Mason. I thought Norman Powell, I mean, it's been pretty rough so far. Like the efficiency won't show, like the field goal percentage won't show it, but he's had a kind of a rough time so far coming back from this injury. He had no handle tonight. I mean, the ball was, he was losing the handle so much. Six turnovers. We actually did a better job taking care of the ball in this one than last night. But 13 turnovers as a team. The Pelicans only turned the ball over seven times. But six of those 13 turnovers came from Norm, who started tonight in place of EJ and obviously Paul George. No good. I mean, very costly. And I remember one turnover that was really crucial in the fourth quarter. Clippers are down by three. We have a little bit of momentum. Kawhi's like on fire, just trading baskets with Brandon Ingram. And look, Kawhi was guarding Brandon Ingram, and he was still making shots over him, coming off screens, just fadeaways long twos it was incredible it was a clinic Jonas Valanciunas going off in the third quarter though was really pissing me off um and I don't blame Zubat I think the help was poor that goes for everybody Nico Batum Terrence Rocco but Rocco didn't really play that much I'm pretty sure Rocco only played the first two and a half minutes of the fourth quarter and then we panicked because it went from 90 it was 91 to 90 Pelicans were winning going into the fourth and then Rocco comes in it goes to 99-92, Pelicans up. We call a timeout to get Kawhi back in the game, but we take Rocco out, who just came in. So it's clear that Tyron Lu doesn't really fuck with Rocco's game like that. Just I'm just putting it out there. Compared to everybody else on the team. And secondly, with the whole rift between Ty Lue and the front office, if you want more clarity on that, go check out my episode on Locked On Clippers, titled What Is Really Going On With The Clippers. Something like that. But clearly, they haven't seen eye-to-eye all year. The front office really likes Rocco. Ty Lue, not a huge fan, it seems. So, no, you know, the, the whole playing Rocco less could also just be a fuck you to the front office the whole time as well. I mean, he really doesn't give him a chance. He has such a short leash with him. It's nuts. I mean... It's like, you know what? It's funny. Is I, I, don't, I think this is very convoluted, so don't take this like to the bank or anything. But what if he's like, if, if, if Rocco is part of a, a period of a game, like a two or three minute stretch where the Clippers just like go down six points or seven, Tyloo takes him out. So then he has the plus minus looks bad. So now he has a data evidence. That, I don't know about, that's like thinking next level of sabotage. But like, I don't think it's like that. I think he just, you know, doesn't really fuck with his game like that, and he had to panic. He put Kawhi in, and Kawhi was hooping, but in a game where Ingram's shooting over the top easily and, you know, we need some more, a little bit more rim protection because the Pelicans were not shooting threes. Seven for 17 from three. They barely shot the three ball. They're living in the mid-range. You just need hands and, yeah, size, length. Make the def- make the offense think they have, they have less space to operate with than what it appears to be. And Robert Covington is really good at closing down space and just, you know, he's got a seven-foot wingspan. But it is what it is. I mean, the, the turnover I was referencing was when the Clippers were down by three, Russell Westbrook got the ball after he had just made a layup and helped get a steal. He got the ball, and there were three Pelicans coming running backwards, you know, running back, only one Clipper ahead of the floor. I forget if it was Norm or Terrence. But he threw the outlet, and it was going to be like in between their bodies, not over the top. In between the three, didn't have nearly enough pace on it and was just a very risky pass. 
and it was intercepted, and Ingram made a pull-up jumper on it, made it, I think, 99-94. That was a brutal turnover. That really changed momentum, and that's what I mean with the whole criticism I have of Russell Westbrook. Like, I love the guy. I think he's been really good for us so far in his role, but those are the kind of turnovers in the playoffs that will cost you games. I swear to God. Not single-handedly, but that changes momentum. That's very, very costly in playoff games. In the fourth quarter, you can't do that type of shit. Paul George does that stuff too. But it was just very costly. And obviously, I'm not blaming the game on Russ. But Kawhi Leonard was the only one that really had it going in that second half. And the thing is this. The Pelicans beat us fair and square. Like, it's a tough game. Not everything went great. Like, you can nitpick here and there. Norm played like ass. You know, the bench had their second straight bad game. Ty Lue's rotations were questionable and whatnot. All these things. But, like... I think Ty Lue, at the end of the day, it wasn't as bad as other games. And I know that sounds ridiculous that I'm like, it sounds like I'm giving him a pass by saying that. But it's like, it's not just him. I think we still had the players to potentially get the job done tonight. I just don't think our defense was good enough in the second half. They scored 67 points in the second half. You know what I'm saying? And they won the game. 122 to 114. They move on to 40 and 38. Clippers only half a game above them now at 41 and 38. 20 and 20 on the road with their last road game coming against Phoenix. And at this rate, the Suns will have the fourth seed clinched. So all we can kind of hope for now is that the Suns rest guys in that game. Although I probably wouldn't if I were them because I would want them to play more together. KD and the Chris Paul, D-Book, Aiton, Quartet. But I also see where they're coming from with the resting. And the way it's looking, I don't know if a five seed will be able to beat the Suns unless it's the Warriors. I think the Warriors have a legit chance. But honestly, if Zion comes back, depending on what he looks like, I wouldn't count the Pelicans out. Um, I think Herb Jones and Brandon Ingram and Trey Murphy are the guys to bother Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, quite frankly. And I don't know. Zion, I think, could have a Giannis effect on the Suns. Try to get Aiden in foul trouble. That's just a whole hypothetical. I'm not going to get into all that. But the point is, it looks like the Suns are going to have the fourth seed. And if I can hope that the Suns maybe rest some guys and take that game easy, Clippers maybe get, maybe get a free win. Because it's looking like the Clippers could fall into the play-in. So before I get into all that, let me just read the box scores. Because I'm going to get real angry. <laughs> Norman Powell, 12 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 6 turnovers in this game. On 4 for 9 shooting, but 0 for 4 from deep. Clippers shot 38% from 3 in this game, 11 for 29. It's not horrendous. But Zubats, 15.6 rebounds. Thought, didn't think he did a good enough job on the glass. If that's what, if there's one criticism I have, it's that. Only six rebounds is not good enough, while Valanchunas got 12. Pelicans had 40 rebounds for the game. Clippers, 37, so not a crazy disparity there. Nicholas Batum, two points on one for two shooting. Wasn't good again. Kawhi, 40 points, eight rebounds, four assists. On 15 for 28 shooting and 4 for 8 from deep and 6 or 6 from the line. So Kawhi, I thought, was really good. Um, but still, it's like unacceptable. I mean, it's just a joke. I'm going to get into that in a second. Westbrook, 24 points, 9 assists. Only one turnover, so I, I'll take that. It's crazy he only had one turnover, but it was such a terrible one. So funny. It's crazy how stats, they just don't. That's what I mean by stats, just don't tell the full story. 9 for 18 from the field for Russ, 50%. 3 for 6 from deep. I think it was another tale of two halves for Russ, though. Thought he was really good in the first half. Second half, not good enough. Played 40 minutes. Kawhi played 41 minutes. The bench, Covington, 4 points in 16 minutes. 1 for 4 from the field. Nothing great there, but I still think he should have played more. Mason Plumlee, 6 points, 5 rebounds in 18 minutes on 3 for 5 shooting. 
Not a very good game for him. And the bench, minus 13 for Rocco, minus 13 for Mason, minus 10 for Bones, minus 13 for Terrence. The bench, I mean, all of them just they didn't play very well together and, and had poor stretches. Bone Thailand, five points on two for seven from the field and one for four from deep. It's not much there. And, you know, he's he he's a better defender than we realized. I think coming in, he's not as terrible as people said, but still not great. He's just skinny. He, if he gets in the weight room a little bit, I think he, it'll be – he actually can be a decent defender because he's got really good hands. And when he tries, um, he's got – you know, he's got long arms, man. He's got good length and, as I said, active hands. Effort, defense is a lot of effort, man. It really is. And I'm not saying he's going to be like a good defender ever, but I think he can be passable. Uh, Terrence, man, six points, four rebounds, three assists, and two steals. Did a little bit of everything. Two for six in the field, but still need a little bit more from him than that. It's been a couple bad games in a row for Terrence. I hope he breaks out of it. it. Was two for three from deep, so at least he shot the ball well. He had a really bad three-point shooting game last night against the Grizz, the Teddies as I call them. But two for six in the field. Had a nice strip, though, against Ingram in the first half. But Clippers lose it 114-122. to 122. Jonas Valanciunas at 23-12 and 12 on 10 for 18 shooting. CJ McCollum, 19 points on 8 for 18 shooting. Trey Murphy, 19 points on 8 shots. <laughs> 4 for 8 from the field, 2 for 5 from deep, but 9 for 11 from the line. The Pelicans got to the line 35 times and made 31 of those free throws, which is 88.6%. That's really good. Clippers got to the line only 23 times compared to them, so 12 less free throw attempts, made 19 of them for 82.6%. So that's a big killer. Home-centric officiating the rest of the game after the first quarter. Sorry, but that's the facts. Not blaming it all on the refs, though, obviously. Brandon Ingram, 36 points, 4 rebounds, 8 assists, only 1 turnover on 13 for 23 shooting. Did not shoot a 3. So for all you people that think you need to shoot 3s in this to be this to be that dude, no, you don't. Nobody's gluing you to the 3-point line. You catch the ball in the mid-post area, inside the 3, at the elbow, or come off screens for those pull-ups. I mean, come on, man. No one's gluing you to the three. So 120, and he can hit it if he's open, but 122 to one off the catch, but 122 to 114 Pelicans win it. Now let's really talk, man. This is pathetic. What the Clippers did last night was a joke. You don't give a fuck. So why should I care so much? That's the thing. I'm not going to care. It's, it, see, this is what I said in that rant. And you know what? So many things from that rant are aging well again. I said every single time I, I want to lose hope on this goddamn franchise, on this organization. doesn't mean jump off ship or support a different team because I'm never going to do that. I'm just too loyal. But it just means stop caring, like stop expecting anything. They do something to reel you back in. And that reeling me back in was breaking the curse. So now I have optimism again. I go back to being that optimistic little kid, you know, like I've referenced in the video. Last season was fun, you know. Team overachieved. Should have never gotten 42 wins with that squad. So I had a good time because he had no expectations. This season, man, I went back to expecting. And I said, let's embrace it. I said, I, that's what all I preached was embrace the expectations. But all that does is disappoint you with this franchise, man. It really does. And the lack of care to this regular season, I've had to, you know, cover basically every single game of this team on two different platforms. And yes, I do choose to do it on this platform. But look, man, how can I not? When I got 97 people in here listening to me talk about my favorite team and get mad and shit, I mean, can't ask for more than that, right? 
and it's building. It's building. The, the lives have gotten more crowded again this year, and I, I really appreciate that. It makes it all worth it. But this is garbage, man. It's absolute garbage. I mean, let's just go to the decision last night. You take your best player out in the middle of the game. You don't care about winning. Now you look stupid because we lost both. It's like, dude, I understand he's coming off an ACL. Like, I truly do. But then don't play him at all. Because now certain guys have to adjust their roles in the second half. Like, now they're starting and playing against the starters when they're not playing well. Like, it's just, I mean, that's not basketball, man. That's not a winning formula. This team really thinks they can win the championship doing this type of stuff. The medical staff should be ashamed of themselves. And listen, I talked about this today, and I'm not going to get into the whole collective bargaining agreement on this particular episode, but they had the whole thing today about 65 game lip. You have to play 65 games or more to qualify for NBA awards, like all NBA and MVP next season and all that. Defensive player of the year, whatever. I know all NBA for sure and MVP, but I don't know about uh, defensive player of the year and most improved and all that. I expect it to be the same 65 games. I like that. Because obviously, you know, the load management hater, biggest load management challenger on Twitter or on the internet, man. I hope to be at least. But I like that. That's one of the, the only part about the collective bargaining agreement that I like. But what my biggest thing with load management too is, or one of my big things with it is, how much pushback do the players have? We don't know what goes on in that locker room. How much pushback do the players have to sit out? Because the generation that I grew up in, the Garnets, the Kobe's, the Dirks, the Paul Pierce's, the D Wade's. You know, some of these guys' bodies did break down at some point. But Iverson, for example, these guys, but these guys played when they could. They understood the obligation as a professional athlete, the money that they were making, and the influence that they had, and the obligation to their team as leaders. And I think, like, no matter what you want to say, like, I don't understand. Um, how we can defend the players so much. I think there has to be a level of pushback. Like Jason Tatum, for example, last week, he said against the Bucks that the, that the front office or whatever, the franchise, medical, whatever you want to call it, wanted to hold him out. But he said, nah. He knew how big of a game it was, and the Celtics made a statement. That's somebody who really wants to win a championship. How much, like, at some point, Kawhi has to be able to push back. He said before, in the beginning of the season, that it's going to be a dark tunnel for a while, and it's going to be filled with light and joy. Bro, where is it? I've been waiting for that light and joy the entire season. Where is it? It's just completely unacceptable. And then, you know, to say I hope to get to playing back-to-backs at the end of the season, this is what you had in mind? At some point, it's like I have to be like, it's, it's frustrating. There has to be, there can't be no pushback. I just, if there's no pushback or if he's just sitting out, I don't want to do this again next year with him. It's just not fun having him in the regular season, as great as he is. Like, the fact that people are like, you need to build this, the rest of the team has to be so great around him and all this, like, has to be, like, at a championship level or whatnot, or I should rephrase that. They have to play well enough to keep them afloat in, in like, a top-four seed without their best player for, at minimum, 20 games. That's a lot to ask. Like, what Toronto did, like, they still had a lot of luck, too. Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson being hurt. You know what I mean? 
it's just insane to me. This franchise, this organization, they've just taken the absolute piss the entire season. All the fans deserve better. We put up with a racist slumlord for so long, and now we don't have one. And he and the whole organization, the players, have I don't want to say the word promise because they technically haven't, but they have basically looked people in the face and said, we really mean that we're going to come for a real, we're going to make a real run for this. We have a championship roster. We have all this. This is not what champions look like. They haven't looked like it since day one. They haven't looked like it for a 10-game stretch. Even with Terrence Mann and Kawhi and Paul George, that run before Russ, that wasn't looking like a championship team. That was things are going better. Maybe we can build into looking like one by the end of the season. Getting Russ in the middle of the season, I mean, that was just a sign of it has not gone the way you wanted it to go. Paul George, I know he cares, and it's very unfortunate what's happened right now. I'm very disappointed in just, you know, the way the season has gone. But Paul George getting hurt, it was just a freak accident. And we already miss him now. But I know he cares. I still question... How much Kawhi Leonard really cares about the... I mean, about the regular season, he doesn't give a fuck. But I just think that just because he's going to play well in the playoffs, because I, I have no doubt he's going to play well in the playoffs, but just because he's going to play well in the playoffs doesn't mean the team is. And you need to build good habits. You're a leader. You're lucky that the Raptors already had that existing core, the same coach, all this. It's just not it, man. It's just not it. This ain't it. It's not acceptable. And listen, the way things are going, yeah, I didn't get as mad as you might have wanted me to get in this video, but I'm pretty angry. But it's shaping up to be, after this season, a repeat of that bubble video, but with just less individual attacks at the players. Because, oh man, I am going to lose it. This has been an atrocity, and I cannot wait for the I, I, someone to write an article or just all the baggage to come out. I want people to know how much of a shit show this has been. I want people to know that all these guys should be held accountable and nobody should be made excuses for anymore. Players, front office, medical staff, coaching staff, everything. Unacceptable from the top down. And you have gullible fucking fans that are gonna, if you, you know, said we're gonna tank for Wembanyama in a couple of weeks after we get knocked out of the play-in or the first round, everyone's gonna be like, that's a great idea, you know? I'm just like, if, if the front office told me to, you know, watch the game on my, on my knees for the entirety of the game at Staples Center, and that means that, you know, I get free tickets for one game, and they just bold-face lie, they'd still do it. They'd still sit on their knees, for, watch the whole game like that, just with that get one guarantee of a free game. I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just reaching at this point. Point is, some of the fans will just literally go with whatever the front office says. Or what the franchise says. They'll do whatever. They'll think whatever they say is best. Listen, man. Brian Seaman boldface lied to us tonight on the broadcast. Said the medical staff made the decision before last night's game that Kawhi was going out at halftime. Bullshit. You think Ty Lue is looking that frustrated if he knew before the game? Stop acting like these motherfuckers are telling you the truth. They have a lot to protect, they have their reputations to protect, and they have their own colleagues to protect. They also have people behind them, you know, that are policing this shit. Let's not be so fucking gullible. They want your money. They want your fucking money. At the end of the day, that's all that this is about. You think there's a reason why they, you, you think there's no reason why they didn't tell us that Kawhi had a really serious ACL injury when we were playing the Suns? They want to keep you invested. Mentally, emotionally, everything. 
Same thing with last year. He's going to come back in the playoffs. All this. Like, we didn't know if Paul George or Kawhi were going to come back, even with Paul George's serious injury, because we knew if we don't get Kawhi, we're not going to really win a championship last season. We said this last season. We're not going to really win a championship. So what's the point of bringing Paul George back? But we still did, which made everyone think, oh my God, if they're bringing Paul George back, they're probably bringing Kawhi back. Come on, man. It's just unacceptable, dude. It's unacceptable. Right now, the Lakers are playing better basketball than us. And with these three games left, listen, that Laker game on Wednesday, I am not going because I'm trying to save my own heart and my wallet, of course. But, dude, I'm literally, I would pass out. Like, this is not going to be fun. The Lakers are due to beat us, guys. They are due. We have to win, but the vibes are so much better over there right now, y'all. The vibes are so much better right now over there. And Anthony Davis is playing really well. And right now, straight up, especially without Paul George, the Lakers have better defensive personnel than we do. And they have they this season have put more consistent effort in on the defensive end. We're in trouble. That Blazers game is the only game where I feel confident we're going to win. That Lakers game is massive. It's been one of the most important Laker-Clipper games in a long time. And dare I say one of the most important ones in history. The most important one I could think of at this point, I would say two really stand out. The 2012 third game to decide the season series where Bynum just absolutely fucking killed us. Oh my God. That was ridiculous the way he did DeAndre Jordan that night. And then the opening night Kawhi's first game as a Clipper. There was so much buzz around the city and just around the NBA centered around the Lakers and the Clippers. That was an amazing game, but it didn't really matter in terms of the season overall. This is huge. It's going to be a crazy game. And before that, the Clippers don't play till Wednesday, so I'm definitely going to be able to talk about the Lakers on a live. So I'm going to do that next time I go live. That's the end of the audio version of, or audio portion of this uh, episode. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you'd like for your boy. Thank you for listening. And yeah, subscribe on YouTube and hit the notification bell so you know every time I go live. Now we're going to go to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. I'm also going to talk about the collective bargaining agreement and all that at some point of this week. Peace.